0: hello 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 how are you i'm trying again this is the second time i've tried because my big um pudding like elbow touched the um space bar or something and i lost my way on the computer um anyway so hello how are you i'm very well the kids are outside they're doing painting um Although it just seems actually now that Sid's doing the painting and the boys looking on um <clears throat> and what happened this morning we went out for an early swim um we went to louisa Bay um which was divine um and i had yeah, two lovely swims in the sea um that it was fab you know it wasn't it wasn't it was it, it was I have to say it was a little bit busier than um normal. Um but it was still gorgeous. and we left just as the sea was coming in in right up to the steps. But oh it looked so busy on um the main beach. Yeah, there was nowhere I was gonna go there. But yeah it was so lush. I think it was about um 32 or 33 um outside you know when we're in the car coming home so thank goodness for air conditioning but yeah all's fine all is fine managed to say a quick hello to my mum and dad which is delicious um yeah so all is fab all is fab all is groovy and it's just such lovely this is you know, the type of weather I love. Um, you know, if England was like this all the time, this would be fantastic for me. Um, you know, I've always thought about maybe um, leaving and going, moving to Italy or something like that. Um, uh, my darling friend Tim, who is one of my oldest friends, Um, one of my oldest best friends, and I love him, um, lives out in Italy, and I just, you know, I'd love to um, go and see him more often, um, you know, and and I'd love to um, be able to go out and stay um, with him, but I think if I did that, then, you know, it'd be very difficult for me to actually get back, come back, because... He he's got a place out in Sicily, Sicily, um, near Etna, and it just looks amazing. Um, From the pictures that I've seen, you know, you wake up and you've got this lovely volcano, um, and um, as this backdrop, and it's just beautiful. Just a beautiful, simple way of life. Amazing, 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 amazing. You know, I'm not saying that what we have got here isn't amazing, but um, the warmth, you know, imagine having this warmth um, more often. It just changes your way of life, doesn't it? Everything just is a little bit more chilled um, because everybody's warm and, and happier because you go for swims in the sea, which makes you a bit more chilled out. You know, everybody's much happier when um, they can go for swims in the sea and, and they slow down because of the heat. It's nice, I like it. I like it. Anyway. So, where are we? So, yesterday we had a slightly, not a slightly clumsy version of the... Um one thirty. And now we are on one three two Um so let's have a look at that. Uh one three two Thine eyes I love, and they as pitying me, knowing thy heart, torment me with disdain, Have put on black and loving mourners be, Looking with pretty Ruth upon my pain. And truly, not the morning sun of heaven better becomes the grey cheeks of the east, nor that false star that ushers in the even doth half that glory to the sober west, as those two morning eyes become thy face. O oh, let it then as well beseem thy heart to mourn for me, since morning doth thee grace and suit thy pity like in every every part then will i swear beauty herself is black and they and all they foul that thy complexion lack so Um, Let's have a look at this. I'm going to take this as an apology for the complete car crash um, that was yesterday. You know, if I had received that um, sonic yesterday, I would have been fairly miffed, I have to tell you, where he's said that she was tyrannous, um... and that other people had said that she was ugly. And also, he was not gonna stand up for her. So, um, I have to say that, I'd, I'd say that he's got a lot to make up for, personally speaking. So, let's have a look. Thine eyes I love, and they, as pitying me, knowing thy heart, torment me with disdain. I love your eyes, and they seem to pity me, knowing I'm tormented by your disdain. Disdain is your sort of lack of interest. Having put on black, and loving mourners be, looking with pretty ruth upon my pain. In black, he's talking about the eyes being black, they look like mourners at a funeral, gazing at my pain with pretty passion. And truly, not the morning sun of heaven better becomes the grey cheeks of the east, nor that full star that ushers in the even doth half that glory to the sober west as those two morning eyes become thy face. And to tell the truth, the morning sun doesn't look as good in the grey eastern sky, nor does the evening star look half as good in the western twilight as those two morning eyes look in your face. Oh, then. Oh, Oh, let it then as well beseem thy heart to mourn for me since morning doth thee grace and suit thy pity like in every part. Oh, then I hope it would be just as beautiful for your your heart to pity me too since morning suits you so well, and for you to pity me with every other part of you to match, Um, then will I swear beauty herself is black, and all they foul that thy complexion lack. If you take pity on me, I'll swear beauty itself is black. And everyone who doesn't have your dark complexion is ugly. So. You know, he is, once again, he's trying, he's trying. I think he made such an absolute awfulness of it yesterday you know this isn't as good as one thirty, but this isn't as bad as yesterday and it does seem to be that there is a growing feeling of something more than lust indicated in this sonnet you know it does seem to be just in the same kind of case as in with the fair youth that the dark lady doesn't seem to return the feelings of love that Shakespeare is dishing out you know that's what he's saying anyway I mean we've just got his word for it you know and, and what he says you know not all, that's not always the case is it but from what he's saying that is not always the case, but he is moaning about um, the fact that she is not overly affectionate or doesn't love him as much, you know, doesn't love him, I was going to say as much as he loves her, but actually just doesn't love him. And seems to enjoy the fact that he's in... Um... He's painfully in love with her. You know, he says her heart torments him with disdain. And there seems to be disaffection in her eyes. Have put on black and loving mourners be looking with pretty... Um... Ruth upon his his pain so she seems to be full of pity I mean he does try and make it um he does kind of change it in the end to to make it a kind of like um you know I wish all of you all, every part of you so at the moment it's just your eyes but I wish every every um, that that would extend to every part of you so it wasn't just the, your eyes that were being kind but it was also the rest of you, your body so that you weren't being such a grump I'm going to say it that way rather than anyway so um, to mourn um, so to mourn from to mourn for me since morning doth thee grace and suit thy pity like in every part so actually it would be nice if you could actually just be a bit nicer to me um and then will I swear beauty herself is black and then if you're nicer to me then I will just say um how beautiful then you know because then like yesterday he said you know I'm actually I'm not going to say out loud um that you are gorgeous and lovely but today he said actually I would say it out loud that you are gorgeous and lovely and everyone who doesn't have your dark complexion is rubbish so he's actually maybe they've had a bit of an argument about that I think it, if we remember rightly it was you know when he talks about this um, back in the back when obviously um, she attracted him right at the beginning it was the sirens eyes do you remember so it was the eyes which fascinated the poet right right at the beginning um and you know and so they seem uh and so beautiful they seem in her face that neither morning sun nor evening star was as beautiful and they made her face itself a special type of beauty. So, you know, it's, for me, it's not as, as um, you know, it's a little bit clunky, but not as clunky as yesterday's, that was horrific. Um, so I'm gonna take this as an apology for what was said yesterday and hope that he's feeling um, that he's feeling in a better mood. Tomorrow. we'll see but yeah no it seems to me that um you know you know he he kind of did make a, a bit of a hash of it yesterday so i'm hoping with this sonnet that you know this is a bit more grown-up isn't it um, and a bit of a or of a grown-up apology so we'll see we'll see now in accordance with yesterday so yesterday we, we did correct um, today we're going to do Arto now Arto if you remember he was a bit challenging bit, we'll call him challenging. So, um, all, you know, this is all to do with drama, guys. Um, I'm going to be looking at drama and uh, the drama practitioners and the particular poems that I did. I did look at Stanislavski and I couldn't find any poetry that Stanislavski did. So, uh, I'll have a look, try and have a look again. Um, and But I couldn't find any. But Arto... Uh, Antonin Arto or Ant Antoine Anton Anton Antonin Marie Joseph Paul Arto, um, or Antonin, um, born fourth September eighteen ninety six, died fourth uh, of March nineteen forty eight. He was a French dramatist, poet, essayist um actor and theater director wildly recognized now as one of the major figures of the 20th century um theater practitioners and the european avant-garde um garde god just means wackiness really you know out there stuffy i'm sure there's um, better ways of saying that, but that's essentially what it means. Um, and you know, his life was pretty um, uh, eventful, traumatic, challenging. Um, poor thing. He was like, first of all, he was greatly affected by his Greek Greek heritage. Um, you know that played that was a, a lot into his um, work and his thinking and his way of being his father was a ship owner and his mother had nine children four unfortunately were born um, were still born and two died in childbirth um, which would have you know that would have made had a massive impact upon his mum and dad um uh, arto had meningitis when he was five um a disease which had no cure at the time um and i think left him with uh incredibly bad well he had incredibly bad migraines um and headaches and also very low moods and depressions he survived but weak, and he spent a lot of time in sanatoriums and was incredibly, um, uh, sort of, um, I was gonna say emotional, but sort of, full of ranges on his moods. So he could have very black moods, very hot, you know, very high moods, low, low moods, high moods. Um, he was conscripted into the French army, which means he you, you, you didn't have any choice. But he went into a, the French army, but then sent back again because of his addiction to laudanum um, and the and some sort of mental. Um, in firmness uh, because obviously he had this sort of chemical imbalance um, which um, uh, as a result of him being ill there was obviously some sort of chemical imbalance he had a nervous breakdown at 19 um, you know obviously it would be very difficult to have been in, in and out of all of these Sanatoriums to be so ill um I think there was you know obviously a lot going on there um and I think probably he um his his mum certainly would have um looked after him and indulged him quite a lot um because so many of her children had died. He went to be a writer against his father's wishes uh and then sort of fell into work uh into the theatre. He briefly associated with the Surrealists before being expelled by André Breton uh, in 1927 as uh, Breton eventually saw theatre as being very middle class and anti-revolutionary. Um, yeah, I love the fact that you can be expelled from the Surrealists. You know, um, Surrealism is, is essentially a about um, a sort of hyperrealism um, uh, like a creating a dreamlike state if you think about how you how your dreams are like so one minute you can be just I don't know swimming in the sea and then you're falling 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 through the air and then you're in a cloud and then maybe that cloud becomes feathers. That kind of stuff. That that uh, that all. Uh, that's all surrealism. In 1931, Arto saw a Balinese um, dance theater performance, and although he didn't really kind of understand what the intentions were of the traditional theater, Balinese theater, it stuck with him. He was really moved by it. Um, so, and he was very struck by the hypnotic rhythms of the gamelan, the like kind of drum stuff the percussion-y thing. Um, And that really influenced his, sort of, theatrical work afterwards. Um, Unfortunately, things started um, falling apart, really, for a bit. And um, for him, in 1937, he had a walking stick, like this knotted walking stick, which he thought belonged to St. Patrick and Lucifer as in the devil and also Jesus Christ and he tried to return it to Ireland and the whole kind of thing didn't go well and he ended up in jail and then they put him they tried to repatriate him into France and on the ship that he thought he was being attacked by the shipmates and they put him in the straitjacket and all of that kind of ended him back back in a sanatorium um and um then they started giving him awful electrotherapy shocks type of stuff which was te- just terrible really really terrible um you know um but through that after that you know he did start working again and he sort of developed theater of the theater of cruelty where artists assault the senses of the audience um, with gestures and sound and unusual scenery and lighting to shock the spectator into seeing the baseness of the world Um, now he didn't Arto didn't have any kind of realistic um, sense of um positive affirmation he didn't he did he wasn't very successful in his life Um, and you know um, he I think he died um, I think he died in in an asylum actually very sadly I think he was ill, and he, he sort of you know took an overdose and died i think um but he, his work his work is 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 very very popular now um, yeah, he was in a psychiatric sorry he was in a psychiatric clinic um, but you know after after his death, his stuff started being twenty years after his death his stuff has been started being being performed and you know um after his death um his his uh approach to work has been sort of taken seriously um so um yeah um so I have two poems. For you, okay. One which is quite long, and one which is quite short, and they they show you they, they show you like two stages, or two, two two sides of him. I thought. Um. So the first is called the nerve meter. and it's from the nerve meter an actor is seen as if through crystals inspiration in stages one mustn't let in too much literature I have aspired no further than the clockwork of the soul I have transpired only the pain of an abortive adjustment I am a total abyss those who believed in me capable of a whole pain a beautiful pain a dense and fleshy anguish an anguish which is a mixture of objects an effervescent grinding of forces rather than a suspended point and yet with restless uprooting impulses which come from the confrontation of my forces with these abscesses of offered finality from the confrontation of forces of powerful size and there is nothing left but the voluminous abscesses, the immobility, the cold. In short, those who attributed to me more life, who thought me at an earlier stage in the fall of the self, who believed me immersed in a, in a tormented noise, in a violent darkness with which I struggled, are lost in the shadows of man. In sleep, nerves tensed the whole leg of my whole length of my leg. Sleep came from a shifting of belief. the pressure eased, absurdity stepped on my toes. It must be understood that all of intelligence is only a vast contingency and that one can lose it not like a lunatic who is dead, but like a living person who is in life and who feels working, working on him its attraction and its inspiration of intelligence, not of life. The titillations of intelligence and this sudden reversal of contending parties. Words halfway to intelligence possibility of thinking in reverse and of suddenly reviling one's thought. This dialogue in thought. The ingestion, the breaking off of everything. And all at once, this trickle of water on a volcano. The thin, the slow falling of the mind. To find oneself in a state of an extreme shock, clarified by unreality, with, in a corner of oneself, some fragments of the real world. To think without the slightest breaking off, without pitfalls in my thought, without one of those sudden disappearances to which my marrow is accustomed as a transmitter of currents my marrow is sometimes amused by these games sometimes takes pleasure in these games Some takes pleasure in these furtive subductions over which the sense of my thought presides at times all i would need is a single word a simple little word of no importance to be great to speak in the voice of the prophets a word of witness A precise word, a subtle word, a word well steeped in my marrow, gone out of me, which would stand at the outer limit of my being, and which, for everyone else, would be nothing. I am the witness. I am the only witness of myself. This crust of words, these imperceptible whispered transformations of my thought of that small part of my thought, which I claim has already been formulated and which miscarries. I am the only person who can measure its extent. That's one, you know, and that's really intricate and explains um, in full detail Um, how he feels about um, pain and thinking and words and... you know? And this is another one, okay? This is called Jardin Noir, Black Garden. Spin the eddies of the sky inside these black petals. Shadows have covered the earth that bears us. Open a pathway to the plough amongst your stars. Enlighten us, escort us with your host, silver legions on the mortal course, which we strive towards at the core of night. beautifully simple and um, evocative and you know we can we can see in our mind's eye you know um, how um, how a dark night would be like a black garden. we we can see that so a deeply troubled man um, but from out of his pain he was able um, to create theater which is um, used a type of theater which is used t- today um, You know, and is used to... um, uh, What does he say? To shock the spectator into seeing the baseness of the world. So, it's quite... It's What does he say about poetry? It's It's quite ironic, actually. Written poetry is worth reading once and then should be destroyed. Let the dead poets make way for others. So, which had you know, if that had been the case, we wouldn't see his poems. Um. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that is enough for me today. Uh, I hope you're okay, guys. Um. Yeah. 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 And I will speak to you tomorrow. Um. So stay in. Um. Apart from all the barbecues on. How delicious. Stay in, apart from if you're having a barbecue in your garden. Um, And stay well, wear that mask and stay gorgeous. Let me know if you have any uh, problems. Give me an email, Karen.vanderhoven at turnerschools.com. Get in touch with me. You can get in touch with me via via that or by Facebook, whatever. And um, let me know what's going on. All right. I hope that you're okay. Have a lovely weekend. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.